Hello and welcome to Beyond Top 10 Tennis. My name is Dr. Ashley Morgan-Burge and I'm your host. I'm the author of 12 books, a CEO of 12 years, a founder of a startup set on data privacy, most importantly an elite performance coach of over 18 years having worked with athletes throughout Europe, the United States to Australia and most excitingly I am the world's leading scientist on coaching and athlete performance specifically behind how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking. My work includes everything from mitigating injuries to conditioning behaviors that set a player up long term for the long game towards a top 10 tennis ranking. I'm behind theories from the optimal performance theory, optimal behavior for optimal performance, the barrier breaker, the rule of transference to the golden rule. As has become custom, each episode we dive into one of my books to share additional insights and dig a little bit deeper. We've been focusing on the secrets to optimal coaching success, the role of experience, optimal performance practices and outcomes in the real world with over 60 episodes today. Today's topic plays its own role like so many other episodes in developing the player, parent to coach for that road ahead towards a top 10 tennis ranking. So as always, buckle in and enjoy the ride. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Look, I think to kick things off, Happy New Year. This is our very first episode uh, to begin 2024. And oh my goodness, we're already off a few days in and the Australian summer of tennis is here. Uh, Those of you who are not familiar, I am based in Australia. So this has to be uh, my favorite time of year because it is all hustle and bustle uh, in the tennis world in this respect Um, and I'm sure those of you who are based in the States when the US opens on it's the same for you Uh, and and likewise for the French Open to Wimbledon equal amounts of excitement I think but this time of year we actually have the Brisbane International that is on and a little known secret is that uh, a little bit over a decade ago I was working with uh, high performance players there that that was my home center I was based out of um, obviously that was in my earlier I think co- coaching days when I, I, I was venturing a between Australia through Europe to the state and it was an incredibly exciting time but there's nothing like seeing I I think the the crowds come back or be drawn to those courts in the best possible way obviously that the the stadium there is more than a decade old now but back then it was nice and fresh and new and, and, and very exciting however that said I think this year's uh, lineup has to be the most substantial I've ever seen in in the again the, the best possible way but before I get carried away those of you who have been with us for some time and know what we're all about thank you so much and and I cannot believe that we've gone through 2023 and here we are beyond top 10 tennis now in 2024, which is super cool. Uh, those of you who are not familiar with us, thank you so much for joining. Um, I really would encourage you uh, to track back on at least a handful of our previous episodes because today I wanted to take a, a bit of a different turn. Uh, so it's not, I, I think, something that I would typically do. That said, with the launch of my latest book, so my 12th book that came out um, three weeks ago now, and oh my goodness, time has flown, and that uh, is, of course, how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking. Incredibly exciting, and look, 
I'm not going to fib here. I did take a, a little bit of a hiatus over the Christmas period just to, I think, catch my breath because it was such an intensive period uh, launching beyond top 10 tennis, uh, sharing key snippets to insights with each and every one of you, which has been so incredibly rewarding that here, here we are um, we're in 2024 to just share even more. Although this time around, I'm not writing. I'm, I'm sure it's going to happen, but at this point in time, with obviously that, that book just fresh off the press in a manner of speaking, um, th- these um, uh, forthcoming episodes are just you and me. In, in, in a really good way without the distractions which gives the chance now again with beyond top 10 tennis and the release of how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking here to share i think these new insights look we are going to get to today's uh, key segment uh, and the specific i think share those insights on i think this section in the the chapter we're up to on the secrets to optimal coaching success but i think it is really i think paramount to share um with the australian summer of tennis we've got the united cup going and the brisbane international i know there are other events happening um but i really want to focus on these two because they really do have specific raw cars and i think by that i mean asaka is back Nadal is back. Um, Kerber is back. Um, uh, look, we've got Theme is back. He had to go through qualifying. Um, you've got Swiatek leading the way. Uh, Djokovic as well. Um, Pagula in equal amounts. And these we're just crossing over between the United Cup and the Brisbane International, um, primarily again because they are the, the two, I think, get it making a, a lot of noise for good reasons um, in Australia. Um, and granted, I, I am preempting this by acknowledging there are other events, but I really want to focus on these because A, one is in my backyard, um, in a manner of speaking. Those you may or may not be a familiar, but I am based on um, the sunny Gold Coast. Although that is a little bit ironic because it is um, very wet uh, the last week. And we have gone through um, <laughs> in my hometown, um, would you believe it or not, um, a tornado. It was uh, reported very lately. Um, we are okay, though it was um, a little bit scary for a lot of people. So I really wanted to shed, I think, some good light on what's been happening um, in so far as uh, I think the tennis scene to really I think run home the, the best parts here um, so I'm trying not to get too, uh, too sidetracked because that is I think a whole other discussion but it's uh, those of you who are not based in Australia or in the southeast it's uh, welcome to Australia these things do happen and through summer yeah we do have the wet season but all also the wonderful weather and when all of that's done and said it's really important I think to shine that light on where it really counts and I want to dig into these players but keep in mind when I am sharing this it's really leveraging and pulling on and drawing from how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking, but also uh, the previous text. So, so again, uh, this was my 12th text and we do have the, the 10 texts prior, uh, I think, in this niche. I recall that I do have that one text that is a, a fictional release, so it's not um, a part of, I think, um, when we term it the pathway to the long game, where we've built these progressions, where we're looking at keys one through to now key eight. 
and early episodes or the initial 50 episodes um, were really looking at the secrets to optimal performance success and now the last now 15 episodes after t- today is the secrets to optimal coaching success so we've really been making some really healthy headway um, but when, when you're listening to them you will see how we've been growing evolving and developing and it's, it's designed to do that in respect to coincide with these texts and these key topics now some I think notes or um, additional insights that are shared or drawn from are are really pulling on what's been said previously so I try not to I think uh, repeat uh, specifically what's been said in the past of course I draw on that because look today's episode um, or the chapter specifically around mental awareness really pulls from episodes on mental health and we've got a handful on that but recall it's really around mental conditioning stereotypes stigmas and there's so many connotations uh, positive but mainly negative um, in that respect that we really need to reshape uh, redesign equally to make sure when we're looking at how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking we're really doing our due diligence and by that I mean we're setting the player up long term whether you are that 12 year old that 8 year old that 17 year old or that 28 year old there's always a place for how and when I say how it's how does it um, affect your play how does it impact your results how does it influence your abilities now whether acknowledged or not there is an impact whether uh, directly or indirectly and we will shed I think additional line on that later but let's dive into some of these results because um, typically and those of you who are familiar and who have been following us for some time I do record these episodes in advance but given the sum the Australian summer of tennis is here these are actually uh, hot off the press <laughs> um, because I really wanted to I think try my best to keep pace so that they are going to be released within a couple of days um, all going well um, to, to ensure that we are sharing I think these insights and you will shortly see why to be able to follow along because this is going to afford you I think the opportunity to look at uh, the what is your game missing series so that is uh, what is your game missing what is your game missing now and what is your game missing to win that really pulls from uh, almost every single player that has progressed to the round of 16 or further at a grand slam uh, and or is ranked inside the top 10 and those texts showcase why they are performing and or uh, progressing and or regressing why their results have been good and or bad and drawing from how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking why they are primed for that 8% and or why they are regressing and are no longer a part of that 8% or a part of that 92% so again recall from previous episodes 92% of players and coaches on the W chain ATP tours do not know and we say we, they do not know the eight keys and this is why they are no longer either inside the top 10 but specifically inside that eight percent because again recall and we've touched on a minimum of two players every season are going to regress outside the top 10 and this is where it gets really interesting at the beginning of the season and we say that because there are these key markers uh, at the beginning of the season that really showcase if that top 10 player is going to hold on to that ranking or they're going to regress outside the top 10. Now, potentially mid-year, they're going to progress again back inside the top 10. But that just goes to show how their performance has um, regressed and they really need to find their feet again. And again, that um, is a play on words. We do have episodes on finding your feet 
but specifically we're looking at you have this off season now and again recall episodes on periodization um, working out those peak performance cycles so this shows us if these are players athletes their coaches their teams have been working alongside these peak performance cycles or there has been a hiccup if something has not quite gone to plan but we're also looking at if they've ascertained and are applying the eight keys. Now, visually, and again, because I've been doing this for such an extended period of time, when I'm able to view these athletes, these players live in action, I can almost immediately share um, the output, if they are going to regress, if they are going to progress. And one of the texts, the seven keys to optimize your life, which really is looking at tennis as the blueprint that showcases uh, those initial seven keys. I think the title does not do it justice. <laughs> However, I have shared uh, why pre- previously, so I won't dive into that. But specifically, we know uh, if they are applying those uh, keys specifically, that will allow them to progress and or regress. And I know it can appear quite confusing at times. So this is where um, I think the body of work is so extensive that it's um, I'm really trying to not... um, mix it because it, it really needs to be shared on a uh we'll go one then two then three opposed to one five ten nine two and, and i say this in the best possible way because to develop a top 10 tennis ranking it doesn't happen overnight it is it's a journey and, and that's where the pathway comes in the long game comes in um, so recall though that initial 10 years of play that transition to, into that second 10 years of play so that's 20 years of play uh, but more specifically when, when we're looking at the markers and the progressions to regressions setting up the season the 92% to the 8% the 8 keys uh, the 7 keys because recall the 8th key really solidifies the seven keys and is shared uh, more specifically and concisely throughout the, the latest release and if you're yet to read it I really want to encourage you to get your hands on it so we're looking at these key markers to begin with and if these players have set themselves up to not only maintain their hold inside the top 10 if they're looking at uh, setting their season up right to progress at the Australian Open. So these earlier events, the Brisbane International to the United Cup, we can look at if those markers are there to get that player to the round of 16 or further. Of course, there are markers that showcase us, whether it's a quarterfinal, semifinals, finals, but we're not gonna focus on that. I really wanna focus on round of 16 or more. So it includes obviously more in this respect. Um, again, if you've been following along, the players that showcase the eight keys more explicitly, they're the ones that make the semifinals and further. And they're the ones that walk home with the uh, Grand Slam titles. And we've got these key markers here. But what I was sharing from the seven keys to optimize your life is the predictive analytics. And that it showcases um, how, for the very first time, that modeling um, was identified. And it has since been built upon. And again, obviously in how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking the what is your game missing series though um, shows it in action but I think without elaborating I think further because it can get a bit uh, complex let's just narrow things down and so what we really want to look at now are these results now I want to focus on the United Cup to begin with so I really want you to try to bear with me in this respect because we're going to track back a a couple of days now and look at when Spain for example was playing Brazil now we've got some I think very clear-cut results or ones that would have been expected from um, uh, for Kina winning uh, quite, I think, easily 
against wild. But I think it's really important to note easily um, can be misinterpreted because we can look at the scoreline, but I think what's often forgotten is to win a set 6-4, that means the other player was towing the line until the very end. Um, and I, I think uh, most players understand that, though if you are not uh, familiar with that as such, it can be a dive off. Obviously, what's happened in the second set, that it has been just off. Um, but we can look at um, Haddad Amelia, and that was a very solid match with that tie break. And although that second set was was not so much, let's say, as competitive. Um, though these are all, I think, uh, very, I. Think, um, subjective um, interpretations from a scoreline. So we need to be very careful of this. But specifically, I'm looking at the rankings. So for Kina's ranking, yes. However, um, Sorbez Tormo's ranking, no. Okay, so she went down. Although, sure, they came back in the um, in the doubles. Though we're looking at two very different outcomes here, which is very interesting. So we want to have a look at if this is uh, continuous and or if it was a glitch. Now, again, bear with me. If you have been, I think, following the What Is Your Game Missing series, um, I think you, you understand. If not, I really want to encourage you to because this is going to set you up for your season if you are ranked inside the top 100, top 50, top 10. It really is going to help. If you are not, if you are in the top 500 playing ITFs and or you're at your local club or academy, this is going to be really interesting to you. I want you to work with your coach if you are that player or if you're that coach, work with your player to really look at and fine tune these key markers. And I really want to underscore the markers here and that are specifically shared in Again, the What Is Your Game Missing series, throughout um, I'm Your Tennis Coach and Guru, um, the Signs of Elite Performance, all of these texts, and inadvertently, this very text, uh, the, uh, the Secrets to Optimal Coaching Success. All right, now let's have a peek at when Great Britain was against Australia. I mean, look, we've already got um, Bolter uh, overcoming Tom Lanovich, but it was a very, I think, solid start. And I say that because irrespective of rankings, Tom Lanovich has been out for um, an extended period of time. So I'm going to say that that's not too shabby in this respect. Those of you, again, who are familiar with the podcast, you know I do enjoy those uh, odd colloquial sayings. <laughs> we'll, we're looking at the Demur versus Nori. Now, this is really tight. Three sets. Now, Demur has been flagged to become a barrier breaker. And I have been very, I think, subtle about that because he has been progressing. He has been earmarked for the last, I want to say, roughly four to five years to progress around this time. Now, I'm not going to share, I think, the, the whys behind that because I think I've um, elaborated on that previously and I think the work speaks for itself. But we can look at uh, the key markers he has been exhibiting that his rise to number 12 in the world um, at this point in time is not a surprise. It is that the time has come and his markers have really showcased that. There's a reason why he's Australia's number one player, but equally, he's been very quiet about it and I'm, I'm really impressed because he's really been setting himself up. There have been other players have um, that have taken the spotlight away from him, but Dimanoa has been the front runner um, the entire time. Those who are not familiar with him, it's because he's relatively, he's a quiet guy. He, he does not make a lot of noise. Um, we do have those that have been making noise who have made obviously that one off uh, final uh, at Wimbledon, for example, which is exceptional. But when we're looking at results all year round and the ability to maintain that and or to become a barrier breaker, that's not the case. Demenor, however, yes, he is knocking at the door and I um, would go out on, on a hunt here or a limb saying that he almost has the eight keys, almost. 
which I'm really impressed by, irrespective of that loss to Norrie. So we want to see Norrie's ability to maintain that. But these are two players to watch. Norrie's, I think, level of consistency has not always been there. So I want to keep a close eye on his uh, performance because round of 16s consistently throughout Grand Slant have not been commonplace. And, and, and that's for neither of them. But what we're looking at here are key metrics that can showcase us what's to come in the future. All right, now we're moving on to Italy. So it, this is a really exciting in respect to seeing Kerber back. I mean, personally, I'm quite excited to see her back. Um, and I think, unfortunately, because of her ranking slide previously, there hasn't been uh, too much uh, noise around that comeback. Um, but we really need to remember multiple grand slams Kerber has won and there's a really uh, interesting slash key insight I wanted to share today is that when she toppled Serena um, many years ago now at the Australian Open to win and to be crowned as that champion um, all the way back then um, I knew with the predictive analytics that was the outcome and um, truth be told I remember jumping up and down being so excited because it was actually one of the first um, times inferences that this work came to fruition that that outcome um, was the case and it was incredibly exciting obviously there is a roughly a, a good decade that has passed between um, and this work has obviously happened and unfolded, it has become incredibly extensive, but this happened before um, all the work was done, which means it was a, a catalyst in a way that showcased that, yes, um, all of these keys, these markers that I was privy to, really need to be shared and that's uh, essentially why the last 11 years I've spent um, a significant amount of my life my career um, developing this for you for the listeners for the players the parents the coaches out there to have access and to know how for example Kerber was able to beat Serena Williams at her peak in a Grand Slam final um, and I really want to underscore that because it's not just what's been happening recently it's really underscoring why um, Novak Djokovic for example 10 years ago was on the radar to progress but why the likes of Federer to Nadal kept on I think not just toppling him but and this is obviously at the very beginning why those two were absolutely phenomenal at their peaks and why it really took uh, Federer and Nadal regressing from their levels even if it was just for a season for Djokovic to, to find his light because you really need to remember both Federer and Nadal were sidelined um, for similar times and I, ironically they both came back um, to face off in the Australian Open final a few years ago. And that's really ex exciting. Uh, well, it was at the time, but it's a very um, exciting metric or statistic in, in this manner because um, it really um, highlighted the reason why Djokovic was third at that time and how it took a regression from those two for um, him to progress. Now, th there are a lot of other metrics, there's a lot more data around that. However, what's equally as interesting is that we had the data 11 years ago, 11 years ago, I really want to underscore that, that showcased Djokovic was a forerunner. He was primed to toe the line with Federer and Nadal uh, if he was able to maintain that hold. And you know what? He maintained that hold. And that is why he is sitting at 23. And I think that's the, that's the most phenomenal, I think, part about that. Um, whereas Nadal um, had a slight regression. Unfortunately, 
um, I think it really can be attributed to a lot of ailments, those injuries that uh, have sidelined him. And it's not just once, it's not just the past 12 months, it's previously. And I think if Nadal was able to be healthy for a more extended amount of time over the last five years, it would be a very different story. Uh, Federer, um, similar. However, we need to acknowledge, I think, that the age gap there. So there is a couple of years. And so I think if Federer wasn't sidelined, it could have been a little bit different. But his peak was back then. And it was really time, I think, for uh, Nadal to shine through which was the case, unfortunately, um, when those ailments happened. But that's a little bit being sidetracked. So let's let Kerber here. Um, when we're looking at Italy, we've also got Zarev back. Because then Zarev, you really need to remember how he was sidelined as well. And he has really pulled his game up. And we can underscore him as having knowledge of the eight keys. His application of them, though, um, we're not too sure. And I say that because his level of consistency is there, but not as good as it used to be. So he's yet to reach the same level that he, he once was, let's say that two years ago, um, roughly. But these results with that win against Sinegro, good in three sets. Kerber, however, she did go down, but it was a solid. It was a four under five. So I'm going to say that's a quite a healthy start. When we're looking at, uh, look, the Netherlands versus Norway, Rudd, that's a really good start for him to kick things off. Then we're looking at Rus and Helgo. Now, I'm not too sure about this because these are, let's say, newer players who are not um, inside the top 20. So I'm not going to share too much there, but I'm going to keep an eye on this because these results, um, it's a little bit lopsided, but it's going to be very interesting to see what happens over the next 6 to 12 months with these two players. Now we're on to the Czech Republic and China. So if we're looking at these results again, it's nothing uh, baffling, but three sets here from both accords, which is very good. I think the standout here is Vondrasova. She did go down to Zeng in three sets. This is very interesting because we know Vondrasova, reigning Wimbledon champion. Uh, I want to keep an eye on this because uh, her metric from the 2023 season uh, primed her inside that 8%. However, this is the start of a new season. If this pattern continues, even though it's very early on, we do not need uh, six months of data necessarily to, to um, showcase what's going to happen in the next four to six to 12 weeks. So th this is, um, I think, a, a very key piece of data. Just, just keep an eye on because it was three sets. Um, and again, it's, it's the start of the season. And so we do see these glitches very early on before a player of this caliber finds their pace. However, that is not the case for Swiatek. Swiatek has come out running when we're looking at Poland against Brazil. We've got Swiatek with a two and two, very solid. Hercax, however, three sets, still good. Okay, their doubles is good, but we want to keep an eye on Hercax, three sets, okay, finding that form. However, Swiatek was very solid out of the ranks. Djokovic, okay, and when we're looking at uh, Serbia and China, very solid start. Zhang, very solid as well. Now let's move on to Canada, uh, Chile. Fernandez, I was very impressed with this and I'm very happy to see Layla back in good form because Fernandez really, after making that US Open final, she really is primed, but she has been finding her feet, I think, in the best possible way. But we need to be mindful of when she played Raducanu in that final, um, I think most people almost forgot that Fernandez, she equally made the final and really put in a solid fight and really, I think, deserved a lot more credit. But over the last, I think, 12 to uh, 12, 12 months, 
I think not much noise has been made around Fernandez. Now, Raducanu has regressed completely off the rankings. Yes, she's coming back, but Fernandez has held her ground. Sure, she has slightly regressed, but she's also progressed and maintained um, a specific level of performance. I really want her to progress further, to lean on uh, key markers, but this start is good. I'm not going to say it's great, but it's a very good start. And again, we want to keep an eye on that because we know Fernandez has the potential to progress at least to the third round um, quite, I'd say, readily. Round of 16, I'm not sure because I want to see those markers again. More games, more matches. But, of course, does Fernanda have the capacity in the next two, three, four seasons to make a final again? Of course she does. Um, but, again, it's one to keep an eye, off, big eye on because those anomalies do happen and that was granted a very uh, significant anom anomaly. But um, given that Fernandez has kept her ground in contrast to Raducanu, it's a very interesting discussion. USA, Great Britain, uh, Britain. Bolta um, toppled Pagula in three. So that was actually quite impressive. Fritz overcome Norrie, and this was what I was just touching on, is that I was really hoping Norrie would overcome Fritz. That's okay. So we're looking at the, these markers again, whether it's up, down, up, down, or we're looking for a pattern that's actually more consistent. Uh, when we're looking at the doubles, obviously USA came out on top, but it was still very close. All right, Croatia, Norway. I think Vekic, very good start, three sets. Then again, run, very solid. And Courage is a solid player, so that's a very good performance by Rudd. I'm really looking um, forward to Rudd having a more solid season compared to the 23 season. Now we want to move on to France and Germany. Zarev, good three sets. And I'm happy that it's going to three because I think Zarev's getting to find his rhythm more time on court. Kerber, however, came up against a challenge against Garcia. But you know what? She took it to three sets. That is very solid and I'm very impressed with that result. So I'm looking forward to the next couple of matches to see what happens. Because Kerber, we need to remember, before she took that time away, she was hovering around top 20 inside the top 30. Very similar to Azarenka, although Azarenka's had, I think, more impressive results over the last couple of seasons, making that, I think, final. I'm pretty sure it was of the US Open a few years ago. Kerber, not so much. However, she's still been able to maintain that hold. So it's really important not to write her off. Now, here we go. USA versus Australia. Pagula did come out on top. Good match. Tomlanovic, however, was able to hold her own. We've got a tiebreaker and a 6-3. Good on both parts. Good for Pagula to get the win. Good for Tomlanovic to hold her own. Demino, however, Fritz. And this is what I was saying. Irrespective of Nori earlier, I'm very happy with this for Dibineur. Now, I can tell you something because I was watching Fritz in action. So, um, I, I was. And looking at Dibineur, not surprised with his performance. Very solid. Fritz, however, I think the scoreline looks even more pretty than it could have been or should have been in a matter because... I'm going to mark Fritz as potential to regress um, because when I'm looking at his mechanics, it's not there. His game really, uh, I think, hinges on his serving capacity and obviously the percentages in that respect because when we're looking at his specific uh, overall metrics throughout his game, they at this stage are not there. Some of them are, but I'm being 
very harsh here looking at that eight percent and when we really want to know what separates the eight percent from the 92 percent then that two percent that regress outside the top 10 and obviously that's where we uh the eight percent comes from because two percent are going to be displaced fritz is looking at uh, the potential of being displaced um, within the first half of this new season um, with how he was performing and I would equally say um, a performance against Dimonor how he played it wasn't bad um, but is he primed for a round of 16 or further at this stage no so I really would like to see another match to see if those metrics do change Dimonor however could be primed for that round of 16, potentially quarterfinals at the Australian Open with how he was playing. So that's actually quite exciting, especially for his home slam. Now, I think to wrap up the United Cup, because these are the results that um, I have to play with at this stage, um, Swiatek, again, very clean, very solid, straight sets against um I'll say Tormo because that's a two and a one. Those, um, I think, plays where I'm only pronouncing the second half of their last name. I do apologize, but it is intentional because I do not want to mispronounce your name. So I'm really trying to identify you politely with without that uh, mispronunciation, which I'm sure is there. So um, I do apologize if that has happened, of, of course. When we're looking at, I think the other side, Fakina did beat Hercax three sets. Three sets is very solid, irrespective, but Hercax really should have come out on top. So that's something to keep an eye on because if that is, I think, maintained, of course, that is not um, looking at correlating with a round of 16 or further with that player. However, Fakina is a solid player. He equally was earmarked, uh, I want to say roughly two to three seasons ago to progress, and he has been steadily progressing, however, has hit a plateau. Herkax, however, has not hit a plateau. He knows how to perform. He knows how to play at the highest level, which obviously um, resonates with that top 10 ranking. But if these little glitches, we'll call them, continue to happen, he is again primed to regress. Now there are going to be more than one, two, three players primed to regress. It's going to be who can hold on to that top 10 ranking, the uh, clearest, the cleanest um, with their results. And that's where the I think the Australian uh, summer of tennis gets really exciting because it can set a player up for the season ahead. All right, let's move over now to Brisbane and what's been happening because it's actually quite exciting in my eyes, although there has been a lot of rain delays, so we don't have too much data to play with. Um, the player who has impressed me the most is Theme because he has had to come through qualifying and it has not been easy. It has not been straight set, so it has been in three. And I'm really looking forward to his clash against Nadal. That is, I think incredibly exciting because and tough on equal merits because Nadal's coming back it's his first match back and he's playing a former a Grand Slam champion theme however has not found the form that used to and that had him in the top 10 for a number of seasons which is really important to remember it was not just two or three seasons uh off the top of my head theme was inside the top 10 i want to say roughly for that six to seven seasons which is years before obviously winning the us open and then unfortunately very soon after regressed so he wasn't able to capitalize on that as i say at the australian open or the following season which was very disheartening for him and unfortunately because of i think his wrist and i know he's had other ones since um it really has pushed him back 
That said, of course he has the potential to progress again, but it's really, I think, up to his body. If his body can, I think, sustain um, a level of play um, to progress towards the top 10 and or to continue, I think, that level of play in you know the first round, second round, third round, and so on. Um, and if his body is up to that level. And there's obviously a lot of conditioning that goes into that, but obviously he does not have access to the eight keys um, as it once was. Does he have access to a number of keys? He definitely does. So there's a small gap there, but again, remember, irrespective if you've got access to five keys, six keys, that top 10 does not happen without those eight keys or that 8%, I should say. But you can have access to a number of keys and hover around the top 50. But we know there's a reason why you're not inside the 8%. We also know there's a reason why you are not winning Grand Slams. We know the reason why you're not progressing to a round of 16 consistently at Grand Slams and all those semifinals and further. And obviously why you're not winning uh, or aligning with replicated success more than one Grand Slam. So this is really exciting. I get very excited by because I know I've got the data that I understand why these players are primed to win a Grand Slam, why they're not going to win a Grand Slam. And players who are like, I want to win a Grand Slam. Of course you do. I need you to read up and learn about those eight keys to allow you to progress because we know with the data why you're hovering. Now, I think it's really important to be able to share why because this question happens over and over again. How do we know this is possible? It's not just that we've got the data. It's that we've looked at coaches even on the ATP and WTA tours. We've also looked at players specifically on both tours. And I've worked with a significant number of players over the years and someone had to step away to be able to build this body of work and it was a really hard decision but to allow I think the game to progress and to move forward um, because uh, I love the game um, is absurd in the best again best possible way because that, that's a sacrifice I was willing to make to go, you know what, th th something needs to change. And it also, I think, because again, recall in previous episodes, I've shed light around injuries because we're looking at how, because I was that player uh, a, a long time ago now that, that suffered those injuries that halted my uh, playing career. And then as a coach, I'd come across so many coaches um, inadvertently injuring their players. Parents coming to me saying, you know, what can I do? And so, yes, I, I made the decision to go, I'm having these exceptional results with my athletes, whether they're in Europe, the States or Australia. And now you know what, how can I make sure we're protecting athletes um, and developing players who are healthy and able to progress towards the top 10? Because Australian tennis used to be at the absolute peak we had some of the best players in the world at our prime and it's completely regressed in our comparison and we we know why and there are a lot of players uh, or even uh, national bodies where their playing cohort equally has regressed and others where it's progressed and we we know why and that's the most exciting part because it's not something that was done overnight we're talking about 11 years of data but also the example of Kerber to Serena is incredibly exciting to Djokovic to Nadal to Federer looking at why those Grand Slams were achievable we can even go back to ironically where it all started believe it or not Steffi Graf Monica Sellers I remember looking at them but quite specifically analyzing them at a very early age and then we can look at the comparisons between Sampras and Agassi 
explain why Sampras was the leader. And there are a lot of similarities there between the likes of Sampras, for example, towards Ephedra. We can look at Graf and then the generational changes and how then Serena, I think, changed the game. Um, and obviously, um, <laughs> moved past uh, Graf's uh, 22 Grand Slam record, uh, which is really exciting as well. So I think the moral of the story is the data's there and it has been happening for a very long time. Um, in action specifically, 11 years we've been uh, collating that and analysing it. But from a personal standpoint, and I've shared on um, uh, the innate ability that I've had from a very young age, looking at these athletes, being able to design systems again at a very early age of how to break them down that has complemented uh, my coaching career and there are a lot of I think uh, coaches out there that do a really good job but oftentimes it's unsubstantiated and injuries do occur so this work has involved how do we mitigate injuries and fortunately enough I was behind building a technical framework and these key markers, these key indicators that directly correlate with the top 10 tennis ranking, which means if you change specific metrics in your game, it's for the better. And we're really looking at, again, it doesn't happen overnight. It's long-term. So again, the work that's been put into building that 10-year pathway towards 20 years of play, it's absolutely substantial. All right, before we get carried away on that, because there's so much I can share, so questions are always welcome. And obviously, for a more of a backstory, there is 64 more episodes. But look, we've got, I'm really happy with theme, great. Um, we've got Schwartzman who went down, which is very, I think, surprising in a way. But his form of late has not been, uh, let's say, where it could and or should ha have been. The potential is there. Does he have access to those eight keys? Not with those results. Rune, um, solid start, three sets. Very happy with that. I need to say I did watch Murray versus Dimitrov. Um, three sets, very impressive. Murray really did hold his own in those first, I'll say, one and a half sets. Then he did actually start to lag. Dimitrov picked his game up, was very impressive. I'm really looking forward to, I think, as I shared earlier, uh, Theme versus Nadal. But we're really looking at Kubler to see how he uh, shines or not against Karetsev because he is a dark horse. He does have the capacity. Korda is in action. It's a blazing field and I'm really impressed. Kokonakis, let's see how he performs flip over to the woman's side now this is actually quite impressive because Stevens in two sets very good looking to see again if she can hold her own and she has been playing very good and we need to remember she has that grand slam to her name so I'm really looking at that level of consistency and again those key metrics I want to keep an eye on and then even better, well, <laughs> we have obviously Osaka winning that maiden match back. That was really exciting for her and I I'm happy as well. Now, what we've got, I think, coming up, I think, is Azarenka. Let's see if that form is where it could be and or should be closer to that top 20 range and those markers. Kennan, former Grand Slam champion at the Australian Open, did regress quite substantially can progress again looking to see if those markers are there collins collins has that potential i'm looking to see if those markers again are there because she has again regressed a lot of these players who were at their peak did regress and we know the underlying reasons why so i really want to see them progress again with the uptake of obviously those eight k 
keys. If you are one of those players, if you are identifying or acknowledging what I've been saying and you can understand that, please pick up how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking. Learn the eight keys to progress not only to the round of 16, but we can get further. Once you've ascertained those eight keys, we're looking at semi-finals and greater. And that is so exciting because it's not we're not just looking at one, two, three players. We have over 150,000 inferences. It's absolutely phenomenal. It is substantial. We are the world's leader. Um, and that is why, obviously, our techs shine the light on that because it's something federations do not have access to. The WTA tour does not have access. The ATP does not have access because uh, the decision was made to ensure each and every player, irrespective of their age, their gender, their socioeconomic background, where they are based in the world, that they have access. And that's where AMA International comes in to make sure you do have, I think, access, that you can leverage uh, the best. All right. We're getting really deep into it because we got, I really wanted to, I think, share, I think, those key markers with the Brisbane International to the United Cup because it's so exciting with these players back. Look, we've, one of the results that I, I almost missed or did, was Shelton, and Shelton did, did not perform as expected, and that's okay because I think there was a lot of hype there. does have potential, and his 23 season was incredible. But whether or not he can replicate that in the 24th season, um, well, we're about to see. Though, obviously, he did not get off to the best start. But this is, again, why I really want to underline this season is an absolute, I think, kickstarter um, with, uh, again, the Brisbane International to the United Cup and others because it really, I think, sets the scene for what's to come, not just for the Australian Open, but I really uh, want to pay attention to those markers because the 8% to the 92% begin to shine through. So there's very early signs and that's where it's really important. All right, um, before I get even more sidetracked, which is incredibly possible, I wanted to share a little bit more light on the mental awareness. Um, I'm not going to dive into the chapter. I'm going to leave that to the next episode. But I did promise um, some additional insights. So when we're looking at mental awareness, and I think that the application, each and every player I've identified to mentioned uh, in those results, a level I think of mental awareness is absolutely front and center because those glitches happen because of a player's uh, mental capacity to apply, I think, those key metrics. Now, we can look at um, mental health, but also mental conditioning and mental stamina. There are a, a myriad, I think, of offshoots with uh, direct to indirect, I think, connotations, but each play a role. Now, Swiatek is a prime example because she's kicked her season off exceptionally well. Asanka, actually, having all that time off, winning that match back, that, that is exceptional as well. Uh, theme, with that mental stamina to keep going and going, I'm really impressed by that because irrespective that he won a Grand Slam and oh my goodness, did he regress quite substantially, he's still trying to get back. Murray is a prime example of that mental awareness, the work that it takes to get there. But also what's really important is uh, adjusting those expectations. Uh, and Murray uh, is, I think, the perfect example here because he said that he knows that he's not top 10 capacity at this stage, but he's okay with that because of his joy and love and he understands that it, it's a, a process. And I want to underscore that. Mental awareness goes hand in hand with acknowledging it's a process. Now, the I'm your, game, um, I'm your tennis coaching guru really underscores the process. The initial 10 years of pathway, uh, 
play to the second decade of play. Now, we've also touched on pressure, I think, in more recent episodes from junior to senior. We really need to acknowledge uh, the process. Diminor is a prime example of the process that this has taken the last five to six seasons, uh, really looking at his markers to, to have a look at, uh, at that, yes, he is prime now to become a barrier breaker. Fritz is a very good example as well because a very big uh, expectations uh, were set on him very early on. But when we're looking at that mental awareness, finally in the last one, two seasons, he was able to reach a really solid level. However, there's a lot more, I think, behind the scenes that I'm not going to get into. Uh, Swiatek is absolutely the, 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 the pinnacle here of mental awareness. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and it might be a little bit dangerous to say, but with Djokovic. Now, I'm not comparing um, the, obviously, the results over a 10-year time frame plus. That, that's not, not where I'm going. But I'm looking at is being able to hold the number one ranking, or not two, but to be able to keep a hold of a peak performance pattern and parameter and to continuously apply those metrics whilst being incredibly conscious about that, being very mindful about that. That's where mental awareness comes in. And both of these players um, irrefutably have access to the eight keys, and which is really exciting. Um, recall previous episodes and or if you've been uh, privy to um, especially my latest text, you will know that um, Swiatek's um, initial Grand Slam win at the French Open a few years ago was, um, we were not surprised. Our predictive um, analytics primed Swiatek to win her maiden Grand Slam. And believe it or not, it kick-started from her performance at the Australian Open and her, her results we were able to see. And that is why um, this time of year is really exciting for what's to come because we really can ascertain some really solid results for some players that may not be expected because at that time, Swiatek was ranked around 80 in the world. And we've had similar uh, metrics, data, outputs with Sinner to Alcaraz um, as well. Very exciting. And obviously Djokovic speaks for itself when we've shared that um, over 11 years ago, we had the data to showcase this. And of course, yes, we've had the data with Nadal and Federer, but I think it's really important to showcase that maybe uh, 10, 11 years ago, not everyone expected Djokovic to um, toe the line for an extended period of time with the likes of Nadal to Federer and then overcome and topple them and to be the one holding the all-time Grand Slam record. Potentially, we were looking at Murray and unfortunately, um, his hip happened. Del Potro with his wrist. Um, then you've got Warinka who did slide through but was unable to, I think, consistently, I think, toe the line in a manner of speaking. But look, at the end of the day, when we're looking at developing a top 10 tennis ranking, those key metrics, those key markers are here. They are there. How to develop a top 10 tennis ranking is now at your fingertips, which means um, if you do have the aspiration to achieve a top 10 tennis ranking, to progress to the top 10, to win a, a, your maiden grand slam, to achieve replicated success, irrespective, I think, what that end point is. But if it does align with, obviously, that 8% to um uh, I think distance from that 92% to become a part of the 2% that cracks into the top 10 each and every season. We know it's possible and the pathway is there to progress towards that, that top 10 tennis ranking. Thank you 
so much for joining us today. Um, look, most episodes I do get quite excited towards the end and I do end up finishing very quickly. So if you are new, um, it, it does happen quite frequently, I, I must confess, because I could continue, I think, sharing these uh, insights I, I do get quite excited by. Um, if you've been with us for some time now, I know that um, you are quite familiar with this. And, and thank you so much for bearing with me. I equally hope you get just as excited as I am. Um, we did, however, today sidestep that humanized approach, but I think for very good reason, because we were looking at, I think, those key metrics um, with the Brisbane National to the United Cup. But I think most importantly to share now is that when we're looking at those key metrics from that mental awareness, it is that humanized approach there because mental awareness is in play and in life which is shared in uh, the seven keys to optimize your life. Yes, that is a play on words that I think only is sharing or shedding more light now. And that's, I think, the uh, epitome of what underscores that humanized approach and what that text really does share. And that is why that title is a play on words and doesn't necessarily always, I think, showcase its full potential and strength. And it obviously is compounded even further in how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking. Look, to grab your copy of The Secrets to Optimal Coaching Success and to dive in more to the chapter on mental awareness, head on over to AMA International. To grab your copy of my new release, How to Develop a Top 10 Tennis Ranking, you can also find it on AMA International, but also on Amazon, irrespective where you're based in the world. Um, obviously, if you're not based in Australia, shipping might be a little bit quicker on Amazon. It does not phase me. So just as long as you get your hands on it, please do. That is, I think, my biggest concern and priority. Um, for any comments or questions, head to AMA or to Topic Thread, the social platform set on data privacy. To interact with Beyond Top 10 Tennis, head on over to Twitter, Threads or Instagram. To catch up on our weekly coaching tips, head on over to TikTok. And to catch up on our blogs, head on over to AMA International and look for our blog tab or head on over to Medium. And as always, I'll leave all the links in the episode notes. For some different head on over to pink octopus books that's where my fictional release is and uh, to view this week's question and poll be sure to visit spotify um, or for something left of field visit spruik for some random polls and of course if you enjoyed today's episode please subscribe like share and all of the above would be absolutely phenomenal uh, for those of you who are interested we do have scholarships available on AMA international as well as options to work with me exclusively to optimize your performance and to nudge you close towards that top 10 tennis ranking including that eight percent to remove yourself from that 92 percent so don't be shy and come and say hi on that note thank you so much for listening i'm so incredibly grateful i am your host dr ashley morgan burge and this is beyond top 10 tennis and i'll see you next time